Welcome to Brand Story Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Joining us today on Brand Story Inc. is Ingrid Otero-Smart, the owner of and CEO of Casanova McCann, the most awarded Hispanic agency at Cannes two years in a row. A Puerto Rican native, Ingrid has 30-plus years of experience in the U.S. Hispanic advertising market and joined Casanova in 2008, originally as president and CEO. She leads the agency's operations, managing officers in Costa Mesa, New York, Detroit, and field teams in Dallas, South Florida, and Chicago, which boasts present and past client heavyweight brand names like Nestle USA, U.S. Army, U.S. Postal Service, Cigna, Coca-Cola, Chevrolet, U.S. Bank, Ford, just to name a few. She made her start at McCann in PR in the late 80s and then joined Mendoza, Dillon, and Asociados in California in 1987, where she earned her way up the ladder to eventually becoming president and CEO. Ingrid is a civic-minded, uber-involved philanthropist who has served on half a dozen boards, including the Latino Communications Institute, where she's chair. She's a 2019 inductee into the Hispanic Advertising Hall of Fame, and her list of business awards is silly long. It's too great to list here as it numbers nearly 20. She's on the front lines of career-long conversations, educating non-Latino brand executives on the buying power of the grossly underserved, my words, undermarketed, U.S. Latino population, and she graciously accepted my offer to be a headliner in our important Hispanic Heritage Month Brand Story, Inc. series. Ingrid, thank you so much, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Jay, for the invitation and for the great, uh, the great introduction. Well, it's it's an honor to have you, and, and you're someone that is, uh, I see on LinkedIn, and my gosh, you're a busy woman. I mean, you're this award, that award, Ad Week here, you know, um, so you're you're a busy woman, especially this time of year when everyone um, seems to want to really shine a light on the important conversation like, like we do here. So, But let's start with a segment we call Origin Story. What's the origin story of Casanova McCann? Casanova has been around since the early 80s. It mm-hmm. was It's not really one of the first agencies, but it's still one of the oldest still standing. It was started by um, Paul Casanova and Viviana Pendril mm-hmm. out here in California. And uh, in the, they grew to be the largest independent Hispanic agency in the U.S. And uh, by the late 90s, Interpublic Group, mm-hmm. which owns agencies like McCann, um, FCB, and uh, Mullen, and a few, and many others, in 99, they acquired 100% of Casanova mm-hmm. and rolled it to McCann. And then about um, almost, yeah, well, nine years later, they brought me in because I had started my career in a network in, in the McCann network. I spent 18 years of my career at WPP, uh, which is obviously another mm-hmm. gigantic. And, uh, and my job had been to, to grow the Hispanic agency at that point, Mendoza Dillon, to grow it as part of the network. So McCann brought me in to do the same thing with Casanova, to make it a bigger part of the network. And, uh, and grow within, and that's what we've been doing the last uh, 13 years. It was 13 years um, two weeks ago. Well, congratulations there. And, you know, you made some big news on, on a couple of uh, fronts, be, becoming majority owner in the company um, about a year ago. Explain your journey to becoming the owner of the agency. Sure. I, you know, I don't know if I would call it a journey, Jay, 
because I never really set out to be an owner of an agency. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I had what it took to do that. Right? Uh, uh, I always that was great uh, or very happy working mm-hmm. on the network own agency, but someone else owned it, owned the agency, uh, and, and uh, that was fine with me. I, I never had that that entrepreneurial spirit yet. I always managed the agencies or led the agencies I was working for uh, with an entrepreneurial mind mm-hmm. mindset. Right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to do that, that that allowed us to grow that may or may not have been part of the process that the network followed. Um, and last year when the pandemic hit, um, you know, so many people uh, took a different look at their life and said, you know, what do I want to do in my life? Mm-hmm. Right? When something like this happens that was life altering for so many and uh, and it gave me that opportunity to look inside and say, well, you know, if I'm not happy with the way things are going, why don't I take control? And McCann supported me 100% uh, from the beginning. And uh, and they said, let's do it. And, and uh, that we started, it took about five months to do the whole divestiture, but uh, we announced our independence October 1st of last year. So it's almost one year now. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations, and I'm sorry, as I like to say to fellow business owners. <laughs> I say that jokingly and lovingly, no, but that, it's super cool. Um, you know, but to your point, right, now you get to point the thumb, um, you know, and, and that comes with uh, an added level of, of pressure and stress and, you know, also fulfillment to, to that point, I would imagine. But I, I'm curious how you would describe your day job. Explain to our audience specifically what you do on the day-to-day from the president and CEO position. Sure. And actually, I just wanted to, to go back to the previous question just for one second, just to say also, you know, timing is, is right for, for someone like me to own a Hispanic agency, right? I think uh, for our clients, if they're going to talk the talk, they need to walk the walk, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And to, to be talking to a multicultural agency and not doing it through a multicultural agency it's not the right thing to do, mm-hmm. uh, especially now. So it was the right time. But go do. So what is my day like? Yeah, I what's your day like? What is your primary? A typical day. Not that there is a typical day, but if you had to kind of average your day job, your your primary responsibilities. I was I was going to say that it's really not not such a thing as a typical day, which I think is what I love so much about mm-hmm. this this career is every day is different. Um, and in the morning we're talking about cars. At lunchtime we may be talking about coffee. And then by the end of the day, we're talking about alcoholic beverages, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's, it's always shifting. But I guess, I mean, I start my day relatively early with my, uh, on my phone checking emails from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that by the time I get to the office here or, you know, in the last year, get downstairs to my <laughs> office in the living room, mm-hmm. uh, that I know everything that's going on with our clients on the East Coast, with our teams on the East Coast. They have whatever they need from me, and then we start the day the day here usually with many teams meetings. Uh, <clears throat> that's one thing that we all got really good at the last year is doing all these virtual meetings and usually it's meeting after meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then mm-hmm. at some point during the day, then I take a break to really think about what needs, oh, everything that was discussed in those meetings and what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. I have an amazing team. So it's not that I'm doing all the work. Uh, um, my role and the way I, the, the way I see myself in this, relatively new role, right, is really to be able to give them the resources they need 
to their job right, to hire the right people. And like Rob Riley, who used to be the creative chairman of um, McCann, would say, hire good people and get out of the way. So, uh, and, and I think I'm, I'm lucky that I have a, a fantastic team. So I just try to get them the resources they need. And, and then they, I go where they ask me to go. <laughs> That's great. I think one thing I've been talking about in this series is just the multicultural lens and perspective of the world that you have. And, you know, I met you uh, and our team met you through um, our work with La Vida Baseball, right, which is part of La Vida Sports, kind of a, a, a Latinx um, sports media publishing company. And it was it was not soon after kind of the Black Lives Matter movement had really supercharged conversations um, and, and seemingly some significant changes in content investment. But as I've found, DE&I conversations that have dominated kind of the marketing industry and, and advertising investment space in the brand storytelling world, it, it still seems like the Latinx audience isn't really a headline sharing the headline in that conversation on the diversity. Um, and with Her- with Hispanic Heritage Month upon us, and as one in five Americans, you know, 62 million by the census count being Latino or Latina, I'm curious from your point of view, what are you seeing in terms of marketplace recognition as it relates to Latinx content and investment, um, you know, through through the business lens? Sure. I mean, I think we're starting, uh, especially now that the census numbers are out, we're starting to see a, a shift. Uh, I think the Black Lives Matter and everything that, in, that ensued, uh, because of that and around that, uh, really led led the marketing conversation to where to where it was. And I guess it really needed to be that way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because of everything that was wrong. Uh, it's not that marketing can, can solve uh, the, the issues that we were encountering, but, but it was an important conversation to have. What I, through the whole process, what I've kept remain, reminding the, our clients is, is the right thing to do, but it should not be uh, instead of doing Hispanic, right? Mm-hmm. You have a big budget. So some clients basically say, oh, well, yes, we have to focus on the African-American market. So that has to come from our multicultural budget. Right? And that's when Hispanic and Asian mm-hmm. uh, advertising were starting to hurt. Uh, my point of view, and I think most clients really understood it, uh, is, hey, no, this has to come from the total budget. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. this country is not, uh, this the same makeup it used to be, right? So why do you insist on spending the majority of your dollars against white non-multicultural when 100% of the growth of the country is coming from multicultural? Uh, so if we are going to focus on African American efforts, that money should come from a total budget and not from your limited multicultural budget. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's not an easy conversation to have, and I'm not going to say that everyone uh gets it but uh but i think we're, we're starting to see some of that shift and and um we're seeing budgets increasing probably still know where they need to be but we're going to show as an agency we're showing significant growth versus last year yeah um, and uh, started at the beginning of the year but i think it was driven by the census results 
It's interesting, you know, and we'll get there in a minute because this isn't your first rodeo. You've seen the census bump before, right? Multiple mm-hmm. times. It's the same. It's the same narrative. But I think, look, here's how. If, if you look at just the facts, by any conceivable measurement or metric, the spending to the Hispanic marketplace isn't close or commensurate with the audience size or the buying power, right? I mean, it's twenty percent of the United States um, population. Twenty percent of brands budgets are not being spent on targeting the Hispanic audience. And so it's it's laughably low. Um, and it's certain brands non-existent, right? And so why do you believe this is in the year 2021? How can that be? Um, I mean, that's a million dollar question, right? Uh, I used to think that it was lack of information, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it cannot be lack of information. Because if you open any any publication, any any app, any anything that you read, it, it shows clearly that the growth of the country is being driven by by um, mm-hmm. multicultural. Earlier, um, so I think that cannot be the excuse anymore. It, it could very well be that corporate America moves um, moves their branding so quickly that people. Many people may not feel empowered to to make the, the decisions, the brave decisions that they need to make. Um, we've seen it when we have we have one client that you know, a few years ago, really the brand was not doing very well. We had a very brave brand director that said, "Okay, I need to look at everything, relook at everything, and see how I'm going to get this brand right size up, or this market brand is now never going to be mm-hmm. advertising again." And we together we looked at numbers and said, well, you know, majority of your consumption is coming from the Hispanic market, and you're still trying to go to your market with a very limited budget. Why don't we take 100% of that budget, put it against Hispanic, and see what happens? Today, that brand is number one from five years ago. It was mm-hmm. number four, uh, and it doubled the doubled the share mm-hmm. without spending one against the general market. I mean, that's... and that's the, that was a very brave client, and she, you know. Uh, thankfully, people that came after her, they saw the results and they really couldn't do anything but keep supporting it, right? But those are few and far between. We need more great clients that will look at the numbers and say, this is what I need to do. Forget about the German market or Hispanic. This is the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fascinating that you use the word brave client, right? When, to your point, the data doesn't lie. And so, you know, look, I'm, I'm white. I'm 48 years old. And so... I, I and I'm immersed um, and, and still have a long way to go in getting educated, but having spent four plus years building, you know, with my colleagues who are much smarter than I am about it, a, a Latinx facing media publishing company, um, it, it's fascinating what I get to see. It's why I'm so passionate on this because I do see the lack of education and I do see you know, people who don't understand, I mean, we'll get into it. It's, it's, it's a, there is complexity to the marketplace, but I'm curious, um, how you Ingrid educate prospective clients on this gap in their approach. Right. And I'm sure you get some really educated clients who are coming to you because they're like, Oh, you guys are awesome. We we're in, you don't need to sell us that we need to invest more into this marketplace. And then you have people who, like you just said that, that, um, one client who said, look, I need to relook at everything and went from number four to number one. So I'm curious, what are some of the bullet points that you talk about 
if you're talking to somebody who may not be as educated as you would like them to be about the Latinx market? Sure, and actually, uh, I, I do spend a, a big part of my uh, of my job educating, helping educate uh, the market, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I was so excited about about this opportunity because it's also another way to reach other people and yep. say, hey. Yep. Look at what the census numbers are continuing to say. We've seen we've been seeing this trend for the last few years, <clears throat> not just this last census. Um, we are driving the growth of the market. We are driving consumption in every category. Mm-hmm. I mean, it used to be people say, well, yeah, I mean, CPG and telecom, your Hispanics are a significant part of it, but you know, not in pharma, not in financial services, not in this. Now, when you look at almost every category, the Hispanics are driving the growth, even in home ownership, which mm-hmm. was one of those that was far uh, far behind. We are driving the growth of, of uh, new home ownership. So uh, I try to, to communicate that and share that information. We as an agency publish a weekly trends report for all of our clients and prospects to say, hey, this is what's happening in the market. Uh, sharing case studies. Um, in, in sharing what other clients are, are doing and saying, look what's happening to the bottom line. It's not just doing Hispanic marketing. It's not, not just the right thing to do to check a box and say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's, a good, it's a good thing. No, it's the right thing to do for your bottom line. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do it in a few years, your competitor is doing it, by the way, and in a few years, they're going to be eating your lunch. Mm-hmm. So it's... It takes a lot of educating because, like I, like I said, you know, there's so much uh, turnover in corporate America. You know, brand managers take 12 months, mm-hmm. maybe 18, mm-hmm. to move on to the next. So many times we find ourselves re-educating the new, the new brand manager. I've been, I've worked with brands where they, they did six test markets, mm-hmm. you know, because they were the new brand manager. Oh, we have to test this again. We're like, we've already tested it. Here's the result. But people feel the need to make their own mark and do it again. I hope that that's going to change. Um, I feel that we're we're in in, in that path, uh, but you know we'll we'll see. I think time will tell. Yeah. I, and by the way, earlier about your company, I still love your uh, the work that you're doing with uh, Roberto Clemente, mm-hmm. and I think it's a great property. Um, and and I do hope that. That many clients will embrace it because you know we're coming into the 50th year of his uh, departure, um, and uh, and I, I think I was talking to you once, and I said you know we need heroes more than ever, yeah. And I don't think a bigger hero than Roberto Clemente for Hispanics. Yeah, so I hope that I, a lot of people. Well, I, I would argue you could take the word Hispanics out of that, right? I mean, I think we need heroes, and Roberto Clemente. You know, is a hero, and I, and I use this all the time. And you know, I, I know folks that work at Major League Baseball listen to this podcast. This isn't a slam on on Major League Baseball. This is Ingrid is a huge Roberto Clemente fan, as I have come to become. Um, and you know, the Roberto Clemente Award is the highest honor you can achieve in Major League Baseball. You know, yeah, the MVP is great, but it's ML Robert Manfred, the commissioner. It, it's the award given to the humanitarian player. Every team gets nominated. One player gets it. Major League Baseball has not sold a sponsorship on that in like four-plus mm. years. Major League Baseball could sell a toilet seat for crying out loud. Like to me, like, and, and it's interesting because I think that it, it illustrates just, I think, 
how some of the misconceptions out there. I think people think that the Clemente Award is for either Latinos or Spanish-speaking players. Like they, they don't. There's an element of I don't think people get. It. And I think to your point of education, I want to segue into that. Um, my frustration has been um, how oversimplified people try to make the the Hispanic marketplace. Right? It's almost like Hispanic equals Spanish content. Telemundo, Univision, check a box from people who don't nope. get the market, right? And so I think it's, it's and then when you layer in the fact that, you know, I'm preaching to the choir, but how different Mexican culture is from Venezuelan, from Cuban, from Puerto Rican, from like, like it, it's a pretty complex um, dynamic with, you know, one umbrella Hispanic or Latinx term to kind of use it. And it's, it's really interesting to me how, few people in the marketing space think through that dynamic. And I'm, I'm curious what element of this complexity you think is holding back more investment into uh, this audience? Hmm. That's, uh, that's a, a tough question, but I think one, one of the areas that, that I've personally heard a lot was, well, you know, the growth of the market is being driven by U.S. born Latinos. So why do we need to, they speak English, why do we need to do anything differently? Yeah. <laughs> and we've been mm-hmm. hearing that for, for a long time. Um, that it's, it's a, um, I would say it's an oversimplification, mm-hmm. right? Because it seems that, um, that acculturation is, is a destination and it's not, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. And it's a journey that has ins and outs, right? Uh, a Latino that was born in the, in the U.S. may speak English preferably, but by the way, he's been raised by a Latino family, mm-hmm. uh, by, by Latino mom and dad that speak Spanish, uh, preferably at home mm-hmm. that, uh, communicate their, their cult, their culture and are, and are communicating a pride on those roots. Right. And we recently con- conducted a study around 1800, um, Hispanics. Because we wanted, we didn't want to just say, hey, this is the way we feel. We wanted to show data to the clients to say, even U.S.-born Latinos, this is how they want to be communicated. So we talked to 1,800 Hispanics all the way from 12 years old to 64 years old. wanted to also understand the differences, right? And uh, and it was not eye-opening for us, but it was very rewarding to see that even among the younger cohorts, they want even, and that they either speak spoke only English or preferred English. They wanted to be referred to as Latinos. They wanted to be referred uh, or communicated with uh, with culturally relevant messaging, mm-hmm. uh, which is their choice. You know, it used to be the Hispanic the Hispanic industry started all about language, right? Uh, there were really not a lot of choices. You know, we had SIM that became Univision. We had Telemundo eventually. We had radio. We have print at some point, but there were not a lot of options, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, now we can, we have every option at our hand, both languages. So it's really about it's the people who choose the language they, they speak or they want to be communicated with, but they want to be addressed as Latinos and, and recognized and represented, uh, in, in marketing. And I think that's where the companies that are doing that right are the companies that are winning and will continue to win. Well, it's, it's and we ourselves. So I'm sorry, ourselves. We have been doing at least fifty percent of the work we're doing, if not more, is in English. Yep. In the last few years. Yep. 
I mean, uh, we, we have some market research that shows in sports content, uh, Latinos and Latinas <clears throat> under the age of 40, it's, it's just about 70% prefer to consume their sports content in English, right? Mm-hmm. But to your point, it's like, this is a, a dynamic situation. It's not a one-size-fits-all solution, which, you know, I mean, let's face it, I think people... Over to your point, I think one of the errors is oversimplification. So I'm really curious. I have a segment for this series called The One Conversation. And so, Ingrid, I'd love you to fill in the blank on The One Conversation. You cannot believe you're still having at in September of 2021 with brand marketers. What is that conversation? Oh, well, I mean, I still, not as, maybe not as much as I used to, but I still have the conversation of, well, yeah, there's a lot of Hispanics, but they don't have enough money. To, uh, to buy my products. And we're like, yeah, it, uh, it's over uh, over a couple of trillion dollars in, in uh, buying power, and it's worth faster than any other segment. So, and that is a conversation I've had since I got to California in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, the very first conversation I had for La Vida Baseball, I was on a sales call with a, a colleague, and it was with a sports market, big name um, company in the finance business. And it was the VP of marketing for the company. And the first question he asked was, what percentage of them have internet access in the home? Which is, which is very poorly veiled way of asking how much money do they have? Right. And so I've seen it, I've experienced it. And like the jaw drop, I was like, oh my gosh, really? I heard somebody, um, you might have the, the specific stat. I should look this up. I'll put it in the show notes. I think it was the VP of Pepsi recently speaking on multicultural. And she said, if you took U.S. Latino spending power and made it a country, it would be the eighth largest GDP in the world. Actually, seven. Seven? We're the seventh seven? country in the world, yes. I mean, think mm-hmm. about that. The seventh, yeah. largest con- the seventh largest country in terms of GDP and we have brands that are spending no dollars that are global brands to try to get to that audience. It just, it defies logic. Bigger than it's crazy. It's right. bigger than That's it's. Yep. So, so I want to shift here into what I call the integrated content challenge. And mm-hmm. I've noticed that one of the truisms I've seen with larger brands with bigger budgets it's like the bigger the brand, the bigger the budget, the more agencies seem to be involved, right? By specialty. Then you've got an agency for TV, another one for digital, another one for off-channel. And lo and behold, there's right there's Ingrid for multicultural, right? Casanova McCann. Yet our world has emerged into this cross-platform, increasingly seamless ecosystem. So how do you navigate this challenge on integrated programs for brands when you really don't have control or you know say over all the different platforms that a brand is playing on sure uh i mean one is as an agency and it's not just casanova i think many of the hispanic agencies still um follow the same model is we really never unbundle their services as mm-hmm. the drug market agency uh one out of necessity right because the budgets were smaller like you in mm-hmm. like you said the client couldn't afford to have three, four different agencies to Hispanic. So because of necessity, we developed those those resources and really we're one-stop shopping for our clients. They don't necessarily have to hire everything. 
but we always felt and, and personally I always I always felt that media had to sit be creative uh, because that's the best work is going to come from the creative being able to go over to the media uh, media person's desk and, mm-hmm. and talk about the or have a media person go to them and say, hey, this new show is starting. What do you think about this, right? Those conversations almost don't happen when you have media sitting someplace else and when they're being measured on, on uh, more on, on mm-hmm. cost efficiencies on it, right? Um, so we never unbundle media. We still have media services. We developed social from the very beginning. You know, in the, if your market agencies in the beginning, really, when you think about back 15 years ago, their market agencies were not interested in social and digital. No. Right? They were TV commercials. And that's how, you know, all the smaller, uh, was back then smaller shops, uh, became this big behemoth now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the RTAs of the world, they just started to do digital, right? There were other agencies like that. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's like, the German market agencies have to catch up. We've always had, we developed, 13 years ago, we started developing our social and digital capabilities in-house. And, and that's really what's helped us continue to be relevant and continue to grow is, is hey, we don't, yeah, we still believe in television and TV is still the most cost-efficient way to reach Hispanics, but it's not no longer the only way to reach mm-hmm. them or TV and radio. Uh, we can reach them and we can reach them very well and, and digital and social with the right content in the right the right languages um and that for us that keeping that integrated model has helped us well and not every client uh buys the whole integrated model but we what we have tried to do is is really partner with those non-hispanic agencies that are that have the the remit to do digital social media or whatever it is and try to work very closely with them from the very beginning to make sure that they're integrating hispanic insights early on and not at the very end showing us a commercial and say, hey, you know, does this work for Hispanics? By then it's too late. Right. Right? There's right. nothing we can do, just put a bandaid on it. If we start early in the conversation, then by the time the creative has developed, it's much easier for us to just adapt uh, because it's already being developed with Hispanic insights in mind. Yeah, it's critical, right? I mean, it, that still happens. Creative gets done. It's like, well, can we translate this to Spanish? It's like, oh, that'll make it resonant, you know? <laughs> it's like, no, you have to have some winks. Yeah, to your earlier question was what conversation, and yeah. that's one of the conversations. Can you translate this? Yeah, we can translate it, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be effective. <laughs> exactly. All right, so one, one last thing before we go uh, to a couple of personal questions here and a segment called Case Study Cliff Notes. Share a recent Casanova McCann client project that really just makes you beam with pride and sheds a light on, on some of the things that you're able to do at Casanova McCann. Sure. Um, I mean, there's so many, but probably you know, one that's recent that it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily a Hispanic uh, project. It was a total market project that we did, a pro bono effort that we did for Donate Live California. Because um, every year we try to, to help uh, one or two, sometimes three uh, nonprofit organizations. Mm-hmm. We try to choose an organization where one of us in the agency has some kind of, of um, either has worked for the organization or has a connection to that organization mm-hmm. because in this so we had a few people that I that had 
family members that were organ donors or had received uh, an organ donation. So that's why we, we started working with them. And we created uh, our initiative called Second Chances. Um, that's the one that, that allowed us to be the most awarded Hispanic agency in can. But more importantly than that, yes, that's amazing and I'm super proud, but it also helps us increase uh, organ donor registrations by 20% in one month. Wow. With, uh, where that happened over a weekend and we're, we spent zero dollars on um, that it, that is the power of, of what we do right when you do it right uh, it can truly change life and and that made me, makes me very proud we're still here in the business of selling products absolutely mm-hmm. you know have that gives us also the opportunity to to help change the world and, and that awesome. to me that proudest moment Kudos to you for taking the power and insights and, and turning that fire hose onto something so positive. I will include um, the links to that campaign in, in the show notes if you're listening. So you can go to teamworksmedia.com, go to our content hub for Brand Story Inc. And in Ingrid's blog post, you will, um, you'll be able to see that campaign that she's referencing. I'll put it in there. All right, so uh, home stretch here, two, two personal questions, morning musts. You, you kind of told us about your routine already, but I'm, I'm curious um, for those folks want, that were listening to this and saying, you know what, I, I have a lot to learn. I wanna read the trades. I wanna get, you know, follow the right people on social media. Who, who are some of your qualified sources that, that you follow for news and information in the multicultural market? Well, I'm I'm a social media junkie. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, a few times I swore that I was gonna get off it because yes. it was driving me crazy. Uh, <laughs> your notifications, like, your notifications on LinkedIn, <laughs> that little that little bell must be like four hundred because I swear in my know, right? feed you're like I go on there, it's like here's another award or speaking engagement for Ingrid. There she is. <laughs> I I I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know, that's, I start being, after I check emails, you know, my next thing is check LinkedIn, check Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, check Instagram. Uh, I did drop Twitter cause I had to drop something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, of course my son says that only old people use Facebook that I should be using Twitter. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I go there and then of course, you know, uh, sites like produ.com, hispanicad.com, you know, I go there also to look at news specifically about our industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I always also read at age at week and, and other mm-hmm. publications like that, that, that also to get news from uh, the whole industry, not just Hispanic. Awesome. Final question, bedside bookstand. What are you reading for fun, Ingrid? Oh, well, I don't know if it's for fun. I'll just kind of fun. I'm reading a, um, it's a real life story. It's called Center of Attention. And is, Center of uh, Attention, you said? Center of Attention by Jamie, Jamie Brown is her name. Okay. And it's a true story of her life. Um, her family is from Laguna Beach, so it's the town, the town next over. Um, and, uh, and it's a fascinating story of uh, you know, this, this a very uh, dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really interesting. And actually her brother is, and one of the reasons why she started this book is her brother is in a in, uh, in number two and number three in the FBI's most wanted list. Mm. So it, it's great, a great read. I'm like, I'm almost done. And I started it like yesterday. So wow. Like, awesome. I couldn't, I couldn't get down. So it, it's a really fun book. And, and just also because she just, she's great at describing places and mm-hmm. in, uh, and then it's 
all those places that I've been to because it's our basically our neighborhood, right? Right. So really, really interesting story. Um, so that's what I what I'm what I've been reading now. Awesome, Ingrid. I love doing this. It, it gives us a little peek and insights into you away from work, and it's one of my favorite things. I've got a this enormous list of uh, guest book recommendations. This one sounds fascinating. So, um, Ingrid, can't thank you enough for sharing your insights and your candor and, and helping to spread the good word of, of how important multicultural marketing is in the, in the Hispanic audience in general. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jay, for the invitation and, and for doing this. And uh, I enjoyed it and, and truly appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc., We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.